All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're my, this is my wife Sherry joining us, and we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack, and we'll be in Chapter 18 again tonight, and hopefully into Chapter 19. Uh, we'll be under the section heading, if you have your books, uh, No Exceptions, and we'll catch up with that in just a moment. Uh, just so you know, all of our teachings and Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel. <coughs> Excuse me, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, we just want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And in case you're wondering how to do so, simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Go to our give page and you can give from anywhere around the world. If you like, like to write us a check, you can simply make a check to pay for the Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And you can find a mailing address uh, on any page on our website on the bottom of the page. And um, if you're in the United States, just so you know, we are a 501c3 church, and so your tax donations are 100% tax deductible. Without further ado, uh, ado we're going to go ahead and jump right on into the Bible study, like as we talked, where we were for last week. Um, so, again, all of our previous teachings are on our website at lighthousechapter.org, and as well as our YouTube channel. And uh, so, uh, we'll pick up, <coughs> excuse me again. Under the section heading, No Exceptions, we're talking about, in this chapter, chapter 18, Law Enforcement. We're using an allegory of law enforcement as we're talking about believers' authority. We've been talking a lot about what authority isn't, what authority isn't, what authority is and isn't, as far as believers, as believers know. And, I mean, the subheading of this book is what you didn't learn in church. And it ha it's not taught a lot that we have authority as, as believers. And uh, we have authority in Christ Jesus. And so we're talking about that. Uh, we're talking about, we're comparing how a police officer has authority and doesn't have authority in certain areas. Uh, and so, and we're just using that illustration. And we're going to pick it up with that thought of mind uh, under the section having no exceptions. And then we're, if we get to chapter 19, uh, we'll be talking about how the power actually flows. And so we're going to get into some uh, good stuff. And so anyway, uh, Sherry's going to read for us, uh, narrate, and then... Um, We'll both talk about it and we'll go from there. And you know, this law enforcement that Andrew and Dave and I have been talking about is dealing with, yes, believers' authority, but from the spiritual side of it, we're talking about spiritual laws like the law of faith. So if you were with us last week, uh, we, we talked a bit on the law of faith. Just like in the natural, there's a law of gravity. In the spiritual, there is a law of faith. Uh, so I encourage you uh, to look at the archives and listen if you, if you missed it. Uh, but no exceptions. A police officer can't effectively enforce the law if they think that sometimes it's okay to speed and other times it's not. Is it okay to rob a bank sometimes but other times not? Is it permissible to murder occasionally? No, that's not the way the law is. The law isn't sometimes in effect and other times not. The law is constant. It's the same all the time for everybody. In the natural realm, we say nobody is above the law. That means that politicians, police officers, whoever it is, will be held accountable if they break the law. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's the philosophy we desire to live by. It's the same in the spiritual realm. There are no exceptions. The word doesn't just work for some people, but not for others. 
It's not that God just likes some people and causes his power to work for them, but others he doesn't. That's not it at all. God has established laws, and we need to learn how to cooperate with them. Remember, we can be confident that we will receive anything we ask according to his will. How can we know God's will? God's word reveals his will. Beloved, I wish, will, want, desire, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul, your mind, will, and emotions prospers. This is the law of God. He wants you to prosper and be healthy. God wants you to be a world overcomer. 1 John 5, 5. All right, so this is good stuff. You know, so we've been talking in previous weeks about how in the kingdom of God, there's laws. I'm not ta- we're not talking about the laws of the, the Levitical law. We're talking about the laws of the kingdom of God. For example, there's law, uh, the royal law of love. There's the law of liberty. And then there's... Uh, uh, the law of faith that Sherry just mentioned a minute ago. And these laws work. And they're, they're laws that they don't work for someone and not work for other people. The laws of God work for everybody, everywhere, every time. And so they're laws. They always work. And so because they're laws, we can, can't, we can trust that they're going to always work. So if faith or love or liberty is not working, it's not because the law is not, it's just not working. It's because we're not cooperating with that law. Gravity always works. It doesn't like work here and all of a sudden it doesn't, there's a pocket in Pakistan where it's not working. It doesn't happen that way, okay? And so we can we know that gravity is going to work at every single time for every single person as long as they cooperate with that, excuse me, that law. The law of lift and thrust. <coughs> excuse me. It'll work for everybody, everywhere, every time. And as long as you cooperate with that law, it will work for you. And so, we have to cooperate with the laws of God. The royal law of love, the law of liberty, and the law of faith work for everybody, everywhere, every time, as long as we cooperate with those laws. There's no exceptions. There's no exceptions to that. And because there's no exceptions, I can trust that it will always work. And then, uh, (coughs) Andrew quotes from uh, 3 John chapter 2, verse 2. Excuse me, there's only one chapter in 3 John. And I just want to read this again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in, be, in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. He goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, For I rejoiced greatly when my brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You know, I'm, well, Sherry and I are not parents, but we have had many spiritual children in the sense that we pastor them. And so, you know, and there's no greater joy than the seeing that someone is walking in the truth. When someone is walking in the truth of God's love, and they're walking in faith, and they're walking in the law of liberty, there's no greater joy because I know that those laws will work and be activated in their lives. And, my, and there's some other laws of the kingdom of God. The, the law of sowing and reaping. Um, there's, uh, there's many laws in God's kingdom that uh, will work for everybody, everywhere, and every time. And so... When I see that someone's walking in the truth, they're going to prosper. They're going to prosper in their lives, in every area of their lives, because <coughs> excuse me, they're walking in the truth. They're walking in the truth of God's love, and they're walking in the truth of God's, and having faith in God's word, and having faith in God, and, 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 and the royal law, and, and excuse me, in the law of liberty. It, it's just going to, it's going to work, because I trust the word. 
I don't always trust me. I don't always trust people. You know, Jeremiah says, Blessed is the man who trusts in, in God, and he curses the man who trusts in flesh. And so, you know, I'm not saying in our relationships there's not a level of trust, but my ultimate trust is not in you or my spouse or anyone else. My trust is in God. Okay? And so, we people, we will fail one another from time to time. That doesn't make it right, you know, but we, we will fail. We are fallible. But God is faithful, 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 and he, we can always trust him, and we can always trust his work, and we can always trust in the royal law of love, and the law of faith, and in the law of liberty. We can trust it because it's always going to work. It's constant. We're always going to trust in the, in the law and the law of you will reap what, what you sow. It's a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom. It's a principle that God has made in this earth that you will reap according to. Every seed will, 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 will uh, you know, this is another thing I'm going to be bringing out next Sunday. Every seed, every seed produces a different kind. Monkeys produce monkeys. Dogs beget dogs. Ladybugs produce ladybugs and so on and so on. Every fruit, every vegetable, every tree, every plant, every insect, every human will produce after its own kind. It's a law that God has established in the earth and established in the seed. And we're going to get into some of that next Sunday morning. Uh, but it, it will work every single time. You know, you don't get two monkeys together and now comes a giraffe. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. It's silly because it's silly, you know. Um, and so, I mean, even the law of... Um, genes, male and female. It's a law in the earth. Some people are trying to mess up with that, but it's a law. God's already established it. Even if you were to change the plumbing, not to be crude, but if you change the plumbing, the, the, the DNA in our, as male and female, you can't change that. You can maybe change some features uh, on this anatomy called the body, but you can't change the DNA of male and female. It's a law. It's, it's called the law of genetics. I believe that's what it's called. And so you can't change that. You can try to. You can try to manufacture. You can try to toy with it. Uh, you know, we don't, you can't change gravity. Yes, you can have lift and thrust and fly an airplane, but you can't change. The law of gravity is still working. If you don't think it's working, just turn off the airplane for a moment, and you'll find out that gravity is still in effect. Okay? Uh, God has established laws in the earth, and so that's just the way it is. You know, and you can cooperate with the laws, and it will work for you. Like, like gravity will work for you. I'm glad I'm sitting in the chair right now. I'm glad that in the middle of the night, I just don't have, I don't, so, uh, you know, by chance, begin to levitate and, and find myself on the ceiling. I'm glad that when I drive a car, that, that my car and the car next to me will stay on all four tires. I understand the law of thermodynamics even takes place even then in certain situations. And that's when we have a train wreck, okay? <coughs> and it, it never ends pretty. So as long as we cooperate with God's laws and how God, it will work, and it will work beautifully, how God designed it to work. But the moment that we begin to toy and play around with those laws, the moment we are playing with danger, because if you don't cooperate with the law of gravity, it will kill you. If you don't cooperate with the law of lift and thrust, it can kill you. If you don't, where you reap, will you sow? The Bible says if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap life everlasting. So... I'm sorry, you said flesh twice. Okay. Just not to confuse people. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap correction. If you sow to the spirit. spirit. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, and so, um, you know, and so, so, so why, why is that true? Well, if you sow corn, you're not going to reap berries. Okay? It doesn't work that way. 
You can't sow in one field and reap in another field. It doesn't work that way. And not only will you reap what you sow, you will reap where you sow. Uh, because if I sow corn in our backyard, I'm not going to reap corn in your backyard. Okay, it's going to grow in this backyard. If I sow to the flesh, of the flesh will reap corruption. If I sow to the spirit, that's a whole other realm. From the spirit, I will reap life everlasting. So sometimes people blame God for doing stuff, but we sow to the flesh. It's not God bring corruption in our life. No, we sow to the flesh. And we're going to reap in that field. And, uh, and so how do, you, how do you control that? Walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, that's a good point. I know we're talking about, say, corn or fruit, um, but you can also sow peace and reap peace. You can sow uh, confusion and strife and reap confusion and strife. So, you know, sowing and reaping is on basically every level. Yeah. Any other comments on that? No, I think you're good. Okay, all right, let's move on to the next section. I'm good. Good God and bad devil. John 10.10 reveals both God's will and Satan's will very clearly. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give you life more abundantly. If something in is life and good... It's God. But if something's bad, stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the devil. Although this is a bit simplistic, it's true. Good God, bad devil. Good things come from God, and bad things come from the devil. James 1.17 The Lord has ordained laws for your good so you can access the abundant life he's provided for you. Nevertheless, you must learn what these laws are so you can cooperate with them and demand Satan to quit stealing, killing, and destroying the blessings that are rightfully yours. In the natural realm, if someone stole something of yours, you have the right to press charges. You could demand for that person to be picked up by the police and prosecuted. If they're found guilty, some, <coughs> some kind of punishment or prison, retribution or reimbursement could be assessed. Yet, it's all dependent upon the person who is wronged, exercising their rights and pressing charges. In a sense, you have to take your authority and say, I'm going to receive what's rightfully mine. It's the same in the spiritual realm. Just like every other believer, you have God-given rights and privileges. He has established his will for us, but it's up to you to claim what God has done for you. You must press the issue. You have to take your authority and enforce the, those spiritual laws that, that have been made for your benefit. Ignorance of the spiritual laws will keep you from pressing charges. It will prevent you from keeping Satan out of the picture. The devil just runs wild when you think you don't have any authority or power. Many Christians just don't know what is rightfully theirs, thinking they have to be sick, poor, and discouraged. They say, this is just the way it is. I can't do anything about it. They don't know that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from these things. In the same way that this physical world operates under natural laws, God has created his kingdom to operate under spiritual laws. These laws are constant and universal, so it's to your benefit to learn what they are and then cooperate with them. You can't just pick and choose saying, since I have authority as a believer, I'm going to command that I get this house or that car. 
It's under my power and authority, so I command it and say it's so. No, you have to cooperate with the laws of God. As a matter of fact, there are laws of God that specifically tell you not to covet your neighbor's house, car, or wife. God doesn't have a law that promises you can use his power for selfish purposes to claim, this person will die so I can marry their mate. That's not going to work because the Lord hasn't provided it for you. There aren't any spiritual laws in the kingdom of God that work selfishly. Okay, thank you. Um, you know, I don't have a lot to comment here, but just kind of on, on that last note there, you know, there are no kingdom, there are no kingdom laws that work for selfish purposes. Okay, they're all for they're all from a kingdom perspective. They're all for a kingdom uh, to edify and build up one another. Okay, that includes that. That doesn't mean we can't be built up and edified too. I'm, you know, being built up and being edified is not selfish. We should all be edified and built up. Okay. But if you just want to be edified and, and built up and you don't care if your brother or sister is built up and edified, that's selfish. Okay? But there are no kingdom laws that we can use for selfish purposes. They don't work that way. Okay? And so uh, that, that's not how the kingdom works, and that's not the kingdom of God, and that's not what we're talking about. But I don't have a lot to, say, uh, to comment on this. It's just really driving home the same point. That there's laws of God's kingdom. We need to cooperate with those laws. And we not only need to cooperate with them, but we can enforce them. We can enforce God's laws to operate in, in the earth. You know, there's things that God said we can command. And uh, uh, we're going to get into, I think, some of that here in, in a little bit, uh, hopefully tonight. But uh, it just there's some things that we can command uh, of Him and of His Word. And we have authority to. To, for, exa for example, let me just say this. Jesus said we can go heal the sick, cast, you know, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. We have God's authority to command people to be healed, command people to be raised from the dead, and command the devil to be cast out of a person. Okay? We have that authority. Jesus, by his blood, it says this in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. I got a paraphrase. It said that he has, Jesus has made us kings and priests to reign on the earth. You can't reign on, you can't reign over something and have no authority. It doesn't work that way. How can you be a king who reigns over something and you have no authority to do anything, command anything? That's, that's just ludicrous. You know, we, we have, we are kings and priests by the blood of Jesus, not for selfish purposes, but to, 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 um, I don't know why I said, we, we want to, we want to establish his kingdom in the earth. We want to, you know, and when Jesus sent out the 12 and he sent out the seven, he told them, go preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the devils, and for you receive, for you give. When we, you know, when sickness and death and the curse of the fall is reigning over people, it says in Romans that death once reigned through the one Adam, but how much more those of us who receive the gift of uh, uh, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Death reigned, and the curse of the law 
and the curse of the fall has reigned over people's lives since Adam. But Jesus has, has inaugurated. He's made us, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And through his righteousness, he says in Hebrews, I think Hebrews chapter 1, that his righteousness is our scepter. You know, when a king has a scepter, and he, whatever he decrees, when he's pointing that scepter, that is the law. That's what, what uh, his command is to be followed. <coughs> and our righteousness, uh, God's righteousness, is our scepter. And we have rights to heal the sick and, and cast out devils and, and, and raise the dead. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is in us. Jesus said, it's to my Father's pleasure to give you the, the, the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. And when we are preaching the gospel and we are demonstrating the gospel and healing the sick and setting people free and transforming lives, we are establishing God's kingdom in the earth. And we have authority to do that. When something does not line up to God's word, we can say, that in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be whole. In the name of Jesus, uh, uh, wake up if they're, if they're dead. In the name of Jesus, come out. We have the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus and command God's kingdom to command things to line up to the word of God. Now, we don't have, uh, well, we don't have jurisdictions. So we, we can't command people. We can't, I can't command you to do something. I can't command my wife to do something. I can't command other people to do something. I don't have authority over others, but I do have authority over the kingdom of darkness. I, God, he says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he has put all things underneath our feet, the church. He's the head and we are the body. It's not like God's the head over there and we're the body over here where, where our, the body of Christ is decapitated. That, that's not true. The, the, Jesus is the head, but he's connected to the body and he's put all things underneath our feet. And we can, whatever is not of God, we can put it underneath our feet and bring out every thought to captivity, of captivity to obedience to Christ. Anything that exalts the same against, against the knowledge of God, we can bring that into the captivity into, into the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter um, 10, I think, verses 4 and 5. I think it's 2 Corinthians. It could be 1 Corinthians. But I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. We can bring out everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God into captivity uh, to the obedience of Christ. And so when something exalts itself against the knowledge of God, I have authority to bring it into captivity. Okay? And so, sickness exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. A demon exhausts itself over the knowledge of God. I, I can bring that into captivity. A person, I don't have authority over a person. Okay? That's not my place. God did not give me to be keen over anybody or anybody else. But he did make me keen and priest over the earth, not people. And so, uh, just like a priest officer... Knows, needs to know where he has jurisdiction and where he does not have jurisdiction. And so we also need to know where we have jurisdiction, okay? And so, anyway. Amen. Any thoughts? You know, I just wanted to read that third John verse again in a couple different translations. Uh, in the Amplified, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. And then again in the Young's literal, Beloved, concerning all things I desire thee to prosper and to be in health, even as thy soul doth prosper. 
And you know, Dave a little bit ago talked about the kingdom of God and edifying and building up each other. And you know, the spiritual laws aren't just to bless us. We are all, as fellow believers, blessed to be a blessing. We are to encourage and build up. And, you know, this this prospering in, in 3 John, it's to, to prosper in every way, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, in our spirit man, which once we're believers, when we believe in Jesus Christ and are born again, our spirit man is, is perfect and our spirit is sealed. We were just talking to someone earlier today. Nothing can touch your born-again spirit. Your spirit is as prosperous as it can get because it's born again. It's sealed. It's sealed. You know, even Dave this morning talked about, when he's talking about salvation, he's talking about how through Jesus Christ at the cross that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, but faith has a part to play in it. And you know, John and, and Third John, his prayer is that we would prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. Our soul, our mind, will and emotion, uh, mind, will, and emotions needs to be renewed in the Word of God constantly, so that we can know that we have the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, that we can know what we have in Christ, what this authority we're talking about, what this uh, prospering in all things that John is talking about. It's not money in the bank so that you can live high on the hog. It may include money in the bank, but it is to build up the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Good. Good stuff. Okay, let's go on to chapter 19, How the Power Flows. The woman who had an issue of blood powerfully illustrates these truths about how the kingdom of God operates by law. A certain woman, which had had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned around, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Mark 5, 25-34 Jesus was in the midst of a multitude of people who were thronging him. That means they were crowding in close, constantly bumping into him and touching him. Many people were reaching out, touching him, and trying to receive their healing. Yet this little <coughs> yet this little woman with the issue of blood came, touched the hem of his garment, and instantly the power of God flowed right through Jesus' body, through his garment, and into this woman. Immediately she was healed of an infirmity that had plagued her for twelve long years. 
As soon as this happened, Jesus turned around and asked, Who touched me? Thank you, Bridget. Some people believe this religious concept that Jesus knew all things. Therefore, they consider this question to be purely rhetorical, saying Jesus didn't really mean it. He already knew everything that had to go on. I don't think that's I don't think that's not accurate at all. The word says The word says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Luke 2:52. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. Because he was in the flesh, a physical human body, he had to learn things the same way that you and I do. The word here says that he increased in wisdom and knowledge. In his spirit, Jesus was Lord at his birth. That's what the angels said when they made their announcement to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.11 Even though in his spirit realm he was God, Jesus didn't come out of the womb speaking Hebrew. He had to learn to eat, walk, and talk. He had to learn who he was. Because Jesus was in a physical body, he had to deal with limitations. Not limitations from sin, but limitations due to the fact that God didn't make our physical physical part able to perceive things that we haven't yet learned through our senses. So when Jesus was walking through this crowd and this woman touched him, he perceived the power of God flowing out of him, but he didn't know who had touched him. Most people think that when you approach God for healing, or anything else, that he evaluates you to see if you're worthy. They think that once you've made your petition, God measures how worthy you are, whether you've been good enough, moral enough, paid your tithes, fasted long enough, have enough other people praying for you, and if your situation is desperate enough. Then, based on his personal evaluation, he either releases his power and you get healed, or he retains his power and says, nope, you haven't prayed enough, you aren't holy enough, you haven't fasted enough, and or you have this sin in your life, and until you deal with it, I won't heal you. People tend to view God this way, that he's up there in heaven evaluating us, and then, depending on his evaluation, he either releases his power or not. These verses in Mark 5 completely kill this misconception. Jesus didn't know who this woman was. He didn't see her coming. She touched the hem of his garment. He perceived the outflow of power, but then asked, who touched me? Jesus honestly didn't know who had touched him. Therefore, he didn't evaluate her to see if she was worthy or not. This shows that the power of God flows under law. When you tap into these spiritual laws, the power of God just flows. The Lord doesn't size up one person saying, you're worthy, I'm going to release my power to you, and then looks over another saying, no, you aren't worthy. It's not like that at all. There are just laws that govern how the power of God works. When you cooperate with those laws and put them into effect, the power flows. If you don't, the power doesn't flow. It's nothing about God loving one person more than the other. It's just a matter of law. God established his kingdom to operate under spiritual laws. As believers, we need to find out what those laws are and cooperate with them. Electricity operates under law. If you're grounded and you grab a live wire, it'll kill you. It's not that the electric company looked at you and said, let's teach them a lesson. No, there are just natural laws. You put those laws into effect, and so the power flowed. On the other hand, 
a bird can land on, the, on a high wire and not be electrocuted because they aren't grounded. It's not because electric company loves birds than, more than they love people. There are just laws that govern how this power flows. Electricity has been around since God created the earth. It's always been here in the form of thunderstorms and static electricity. People could have, had, could have used electricity thousands of years ago if they would have understood the laws that governed it. God didn't just create electricity a few hundred years ago and allowed people to start using it. No, electricity always was available to be harnessed for our use. Our ignorance of those laws kept us from being benefited by it. All right, so I know Sherry read a lot. She read three sections there, and uh, so we, uh, there was a lot to um, to process here. But um, you know, we're using in this chapter, we're using the context of the woman who was healed by the uh, uh, by the hem of his garment. She had an issue of blood for twelve years, and uh, she just reasoned in her mind that if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And uh, this was all done when Jesus was walking in a, a crowd of people, and she pushed her way through, uh, which uh, against the Levitical law, she was disobeying the Levitical law, because the Levitical law said if she had an issue of blood, she should be put out of the camp. She, but she took a step of faith. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And sure enough, she touched the hem of his garment, and he had, uh, power flowed from Jesus, and she was healed. And he said, who touched me? And because he knew that virtue, power, had flown from him. Yeah. Um, you know, and he also made the statement, your faith has made you well. Many times we see in the, in the, in the gospel letters where Jesus would make this comment, let it be according to your faith. Okay. And there's not a law or a rule or a scripture that says you, we have to touch the hem of his garment. She came up with that conclusion on her own. But her faith said, if I can just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. <coughs> and she did that by faith. She didn't do it out of arrogance. She didn't do it uh, trusting herself. She did it by faith. And that's how she would she, she was healed. Jesus didn't know this. Did, uh, she, yes, he went on, Andrew went on to say how God, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. You know, when he came out of the womb, he didn't just know Hebrew. He had to learn. And he used a scripture from Luke chapter 2, verse 52. When Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man. Jesus as a boy, Jesus as a young boy, man, had to learn things. And he didn't, as a human, as a human, as a, as a son of man, <coughs> excuse me, he wasn't omnipresent. Okay. He wasn't all-knowing. As a son of man, he put that divinity down. He 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 was he was fully God, but he didn't. As as a son of man, he didn't rely on that divinity. He lived as a man, and he had to use his five senses, just like you and I had to use our use our five senses. And he also had to trust God, as we have to trust God. And so, and uh, but he also knew uh, when virtue flowed through him, and it wasn't because. He looked at favor with this woman because what she did or what she didn't do. It was her faith that made her well. And and Andrew's tying in this story of the woman who touched the hem of his garment with what we talked about last chapter about cooperating with the law of faith. And when we cooperate with the law of faith, it will work for everybody 
everywhere, every time. And it worked for this woman. And she touched him, and she went immediately whole. Okay. I know there's more I can piggyback on, but I... Yeah. And Andrew's basically debunking how people think that they have to be worthy enough or good enough or moral enough or not sin enough uh, for, for, for God to look favorably on them and answer their prayers. He's, he's using this example to show that the law of faith, like Dave said, works for everyone. You don't have to be a, a, a pastor or, or someone in leadership for your prayers to be answered. You just need to believe God. And this woman, uh, like Dave said, there's there was a lot going against her. By Jewish law, she shouldn't have been around people. Uh, she shouldn't. She should have been uh, put to death um, because you're not supposed to be around people with the issue of blood. But she knew that he was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and the only way that she could be healed was by putting her faith in him, and that's how she was healed, because she believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that healing came from him. And uh, Andrew's point is you don't have to be a spiritual super-duper. You don't have to, you know... uh, pray at six in the morning uh, for two hours or read your Bible faithfully every day, you know, for five hours. There's not a spiritual task list that you have to fulfill before God answers your prayers. No, the law of faith is you believe that Jesus accomplished what he did at the cross and that these spiritual blessings are ours and if you walk in faith. And Andrew's just sharing what this believer's authority looks like in using the law of faith. You know, he also points out how electricity flows through uh, copper, not wood, and uh, how electricity's been here all all these years since creation, but it took a few hundred thousand years for a man to discover the law of electricity. And how, you know, uh, God doesn't favor birds more than he favors people by because they can set, sit on an electrical wire and they won't get killed because they're not grounded. And it's not because God favors, or electricity favors birds and, and not uh, not people. Uh, it's just that those laws that, that govern electricity, and as long as you co- cooperate with those laws, electricity can be a good thing. And if you don't cooperate with those laws, electricity can kill you. And so it's just learning how to work with the laws of the kingdom. And so... The law of faith is also that way. When we, when we work cooperate with the law of faith, it will work for everybody, everywhere, every time. And when we don't cooperate with the law of faith, it just doesn't work. Just like electricity, unless you, if you try, and the next section we're going to talk, uh, I think uh, a little bit later, when we talk about how the difference between wood and copper for electricity, if you try to wire a house with wood and instead of copper for electricity, you can try that all you want, and electricity is just not going to flow. Okay, because that's not the laws of how electricity works. <coughs> Excuse me, it flows through copper, not wood. And so, and it's not because God favors copper over wood, it's just how the laws of how electricity works. Okay. And, and it's not that sometimes God's feeling in a good mood, so he answers a prayer, and sometimes not. There, This cooperation that Dave's talking about is 
God has done his part. He has fulfilled it all at the cross. But it's up to us to choose what we do with this. Do we believe it? It's, it's kind of like a relay race. Uh, if you've seen the race where you have a baton and there's so many teammates and they're running and if they do one person does their part, hands it off to the next person, and it's what that next teammate does that could make or break the, the race. They all have to cooperate together, but if one does their part, the, the team's not waiting for them to finish to do you know something else. They've done their part. It's, no, it's, it's not up to the next person. God has said, hey, I've provided everything at the cross for you through salvation, what are you going to do with it? Uh, God can't do anymore. Jesus can't go to the cross again for us. He only needed to do that one time. But it's what we do with it. Like this woman with the issue of blood. What did she do with her faith? She acted on it. And that's what Andrew is, is saying about, you know, with this spiritual authority, we need to act on our faith. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're doing, we're doing good. Um, I think let's move forward a little bit more. Uh, God didn't shut off the power. It's the same in the spiritual realm. It wasn't God who let healing, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and other supernatural aspects of our faith just pass away for more than a thousand years. That's not what happened. God didn't shut off the power. People entered the dark ages because they didn't retain the knowledge of the things of God. The early New Testament church operates strongly in the power of God. Then years later, and for whatever reason, the church at large came to this place of believing that God's miracles and supernatural power passed away with the apostles. Then in the early 1900s, the power of the Holy Spirit began, began to manifest again in places like Azusa Street. There was an influx of healings, deliverance, speaking in tongues and miracles that have continued to snowball worldwide up until this present day. It wasn't God who turned the power off after the first 200 years of Christianity and then turned it back on again 1,700 years later. It's not that he operates in cycles and now we're in a wave or a move of God. That's not how it works any more than it was God who kept people from using electricity, airplanes, and cars a thousand years ago. All the laws were here, but people's ignorance kept them from taking advantage of these laws. Due to their ignorance, people died of heat when they could have had air conditioning if they had known what the laws were. People were hindered from moving over long distances in a short period of time. They had to walk or ride a camel, donkey, or horse. It wasn't God that kept them in ignorance. They just didn't know these things. It's not God who isn't healing or blessing you. It's not the Lord who has willed that you suffer. God has created laws, but you need to discover what they are. As you learn how to cooperate with and enforce these laws, you'll see God's provision for you manifest. You might be thinking, I disagree. That puts all the responsibility on me. You're saying that it's up to me to take hold of what God has provided. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's not God who hasn't healed, prospered, or delivered you. It's our own ignorance that keeps us in these bondages. God has already done his part. The word clearly reveals that the Lord has already healed us, but we have yet to take advantage of it. 1 Peter 
So this session is pretty powerful, and some people can take offense to it. Uh, I hope that you don't. Uh, you know, some people are like, well, you're putting all the responsibility on me. And that's my responsibility to put faith in God's word and receive my healing, my provision. Well, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's exactly what we're saying. And some people might 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 uh, dis disagree with that, and you have a right to disagree with it. And how, so, and so my, my question that would be, so how's that working for you? You know, uh, how many people are you seeing healed? How many people are you seeing raised from the dead? How many people are you seeing uh, delivered from various uh, addictions and whatnot? And so, uh, you know, Jesus has already done everything he needs to do at the cross. Is God just sitting there on his own being complacent? No. But he's working in and through his body, his church, his people. Okay? He's the head and we're the body. Okay? He's not a, a body, bodiless head. And we not, are not a, a headless body. You know, it's, we are one unit. And at the same point in time, you know, he said, you know, there, there's been periods of time where it seemed like there were silent years. It was during the time of Moses when there were silent years. And we also see the silent years in, in between the, the New and Old Testament before Jesus came on the earth. And then we have what we call the Dark Ages. <coughs> and 200 years, the church was vibrant. And then about 1,700 years, it just seemed like Everything got dark, and then in the 1900s we have the Zissa Street Revival and other things that took place, and we have a lot of revivals that uh, took place in the in the 19th century and whatnot. And it's not like God just w works in waves and He works in in um, different movements. That's not how it works. We might think that it just no. It took 1700 years in a sense for people to finally get the message, and and so. Uh, and you might disagree with that, and that's your, you have a right to your opinion on that. But the kingdom of God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. His rules have not changed. His laws have not changed. People have changed from time to time. But history, people, uh, history, there's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. People have, uh, many people are acting the same way today as they did even during the times of Jesus in the early church. In many different ways, we might be have different cultures. We might have different uh, things going on in the world and our lives and technology and different things. But human nature has really not changed that much. And uh, and so um, yes, we might have modernized some things, uh, but and uh, but we human nature at its core hasn't changed that much. God has already done the work. He's already provided salvation. I'm teaching this on Sunday morning. He's already provided it. It's now our job to put faith in His grace and appropriate, <coughs> excuse me, His salvation in our lives. And we have authority to do that. We have God's authority to do that. We have His Word. We have His Spirit. We have His name. Uh, we we have everything we need uh, to do. But Jesus said, "The works that I do, you should do also, and even greater works because I go to the Father." We're supposed to be doing what Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to do. That we're, that's what we've been commissioned to do. You know, when Jesus sent out the 12 and he sent out the 70, he said, you go heal the sick. You go raise the dead. You go uh, cast out devils. He didn't, you know, he said, you go do it. Peter and John, when they came to the, 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 the gate beautiful, they said, Sermon of God, I have not. But what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Jesus told them, you go the sick. He didn't say go pray for the sick. He said go heal the sick. <coughs> we have 
we have spiritualized it and we just pray for people. And I'm not saying we can't pray for people, but that's not what Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us to go heal the sick. Jesus told us to go raise the dead. We have authority and we have, I don't know, just put it in a nice little bow and, and different things. And, and it is pretty, it is beautiful, but there's a job. We're supposed to be, <coughs> excuse me, we're supposed to be occupied until he comes. There's a job to do. There's a, there's a kingdom to be advanced. There's a kingdom to establish. And we are the, God has given us the keys of the kingdom. And it's our job to preach the kingdom of God and demonstrate the kingdom of God. Using the laws of his kingdom, law, faith, liberty, reaping and sowing, and, and, and there's many other laws that, that we, we haven't even touched on yet. Um, anything you want to do, Rebecca? You know, I want to piggyback on this thing that, that we we have a part to play. And, and I know, I mean, I'll just point fingers at me. This whole concept, when Dave and I first got this revelation, it, it was mind-blowing. Uh, you know, I grew up thinking that, for whatever reason, maybe I was taught this or what, but I remember thinking that, you know, I'll pray that, but maybe if God feels like it, he'll, he'll answer. Um, maybe if I pray for someone, they may eventually get, get well. I didn't, at the time, I was too naive to know that God had already done his part. Jesus had already done his part at the cross. You know, so many scriptures uh, point to there was only one sacrifice needed, and Jesus already uh, already was that sacrifice. He already went to the cross. He didn't have to re-go to the cross again and again and again until he got it. It wasn't he, he went one time and, and hoped that it would work. It, it did work. But, you know, Andrew talked about electricity and about how, you know, it works. You know, if you touch a live wire, of course you're going to get zapped. Uh, but if you know you do it properly, like birds can land on 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 the, the like telephone wires and whatnot, the electricity wires, it, and not get electrocuted because of, of how it's done. But you know we have lights on in this house, and I turned the lights on myself. I went over to the switch and I flipped them or or turned them on. However, you know, whichever switch I, I personally got up, walked over, and turned the light on. I didn't ask Dave to do it. I didn't call the electrical company and say, hey, uh, we need the lights on, do something. They provide, the electric company already provided electricity for our house. We are paying the bill, but they did all, they did the work they, they set it up they wired the house did whatever it is that they do as electricians and they turned it on that wherever they turn on electricity when i want to turn on the light i go and i flip the switch it's it's kind of this in a sense a, a very little picture of jesus already did the work on his end but now jesus isn't going to uh, come do it for me, I'm going to go do it. 
Jesus himself gave us the commission to go and do, to go preach the gospel, to go heal the sick. He didn't tell, tell us to sit back on the couch and watch what God's going to do. There are times in the Bible when Israel or whoever was going through something and God did say, stand still and see the salvation of God. And he went through. But when it comes to the laws of faith, when it comes to the authority of the believer, we have a part to play. And... For anyone to take offense at what Andrew or David and I are trying to say, I get that. I've been there. I've taken things to heart. You know, in Andrew's book, A Better Way to Pray, I struggled with it the first time I read it. Because at the time, I struggled with prayer. I knew we were supposed to pray, but I can't tell you how many prayers went unanswered because I prayed the wrong way. It wasn't God. It wasn't God saying, well, Sherry's not good enough or she's not holy enough or she didn't say the right words. It's I prayed wrong because I didn't understand the spiritual laws like the spiritual laws we're talking about in this book of the believer's authority of the law of faith. But once that I got the revelation of how it worked, Things are different. I am seeing uh, prayers answered. I I don't bat a thousand. I'm not perfect. But when you understand how these spiritual laws work, it will free you up. It will give you more power than you know what to do with in a good way. You'll see prayers answered. You will see blind eyes opened and deaf ears healed and you know just the joy of the lord you know walking in that you will have your soul prosper you it's just amazing how it works and we in andrew none of us are getting on anyone to get on you we have all been there done that struggled tripped on our own feet have come to the right revelation in Christ Jesus, and we want to see you thrive and prosper. Yeah, we're not saying this to be mean. We're not saying this to be selfish. We're not saying this, you know, and in many ways, I, I struggled the same way Sherry did, you know. I just, this was a challenge for me to get, but I also know that I wasn't seeing the results. And again, I also echo what Sherry said. I'm not bad in a thousand either, you know. But I am know that I, I've seen more results than I was before. And I'm not boasting in the results of what I did. I'm boasting in God's word that, that I, I actually got it. I believe God's word and God's word is working. That's what I'm boasting in. You know, and so I'm not boasting, look at me, look at me, look at me. We're not trying to show off. That, if you think that, you're not listening. Uh, because uh, that's, that's, nothing can be further from the truth. But at the same point in time, uh, we're trying to just, we're, you know, we work, we work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. We're tired. You know, it's a struggle sometimes to do these Bible studies because we are tired. But we do these because we are just trying to share what we know to benefit you, to help you be blessed, and help you walk. We're not doing this. And 
almost 100% of you who watch this don't even tithe. Now, it's not quite that much. Uh, and, and, and we're not saying that to get money. We're not even doing this for money because most of you who watch this don't even give. And so, and that's okay as far as we're concerned. We're not pressuring you to do so. But my, I'm just making the point, we're not doing this for money. Because if we're doing this for money, it's a sad commentary. <laughs> uh, but we're doing this because God's called us to. We're doing this because we, we love you. We're doing this because we're just trying to share the truth. We're not trying to brag. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves. We're trying to make a name for Him. And we want you to walk. Like, I, you know, I started off with this verse. I'll read it again from 3 John, verse 3 or 4. I'll pick it up. <coughs> Excuse me. For I, I rejoice greatly when brethren, sorry, when brethren came. And testified of the truth that is in you, just as you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. There's nothing greater that we would ever get. Our greatest accolades, our greatest reward is not someone tithing. Our greatest reward is hearing that you are walking in the truth. That makes everything we're doing worthwhile. Church, friends, we should, we as a church should be seeing better results of people being healed, people being set free, people's lives being transformed, people being prosperous, and people uh, just making a difference. We should see the kingdom of God working. The Bible says we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the church of the living God. And so... Uh, we uh, we want to see results. We want to see results in your lives. We want to see results in our lives. We want to see results in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom will work every single time, every single way, for every single person. Amen. And, you know, I echo that. Dave and I know what God has done for us personally he has transformed our lives by his word. And we want that so much for you. We want to see you walking in the truth. We want to see you walking in the freedom of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. That is all we want. That is the greatest joy that, that why we, we do what we do for our ministry. We know what God's done for us and we know what he's done for you and we want to see you walk in it and live it out. You know, I do want to say to you, just to clarify, some of you who do listen, you listen faithfully, some of you do give, and I, I do thank you. I said 100%, that's not true. It, but it's a very small percentage. And we do say thank you to those who have helped us and uh, allow us to do, because without your partnership, no, we couldn't do what we do. And we used to do more, and we had to narrow it down, because we I, we were being, being paid full-time to do this, and now we are not being paid full-time because there's not enough coming in. And that's not a complaint. That's just a reality. But we now have other full-time jobs, and for a season anyway. And because we have those jobs, uh, we are part-time pastors now. And so, uh, and that's not a complaint. That's not a negative thing. That's just, again, a reality. And so, but we say thank you to those who, who are giving because it's those who are giving that allow all of you to hear and be a part of this ministry. And we want to thank you because if it wasn't for God putting on people's hearts as yourself who are giving, 
and your faithfulness, we would not be able to do any of this. And so we thank you for that. And uh, God bless you guys. Um, and none of that was a guilt trip. None of that was to put pressure on. And But at the same time, point time, we say thank you to those who, who are being faithful and obedient to the Lord in doing so. And we pray, like in Third John, that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, we will see you next week, next Sunday, as we continue talking about uh, such a great salvation. And we'll be talking about wholeness and, uh, and our benefit of wholeness of how we can be whole, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. God bless you guys.